podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it's the weekend. Uh, it's John Givens hosting. I'm joined by Andy Heaton, by Siobhan Began, by Jamie Webster, and by Kevin Walsh to look back at a fantastic week for Liverpool Football Club. Is there anything different? And also to have a little look at the next one of fixtures and what it might potentially and gloriously mean for Liverpool. But I mean, we'll talk about that Shrewsbury game first of all. Jamie, because I know you were absolutely buzzing from it, oh, and yeah. then young lads and what they achieved. To be honest, I, I didn't give them much hope. I thought they'd get bullied, but they matched them for efforts. They were snapping into tackles, and they just left the superior quality show. Yeah, for me, I mean, I had a quiet confidence about myself that uh, they were going to surprise Shrewsbury, mainly because Shrewsbury's pitch was tiny. It's not on, not unlike Anfield, you know, the surface and everything else. And I thought... We'd have a lot more opportunity to play and stretch them because that basically what Shrewsbury done to us in the first leg was just they, they used the, the size of the pitch basically and just sort of tried to shut us out. You know what I mean? Panels in whatever. But I, I did not expect them to to just absolutely seize the day in every aspect of the of the saying. You know what I mean? It was unbelievable to see some of these kids of six, seven, eight years younger than me and I fancy, I consider myself a young a young, a young lad. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, absolutely buzzing for them. Some of the young local lads like Adam Lewis getting his first start at Anfield and stuff. Like we've all dreamed of doing that, haven't we? Every every Liverpool fan has dreamed of playing for Liverpool and just buzzing for them all. Uh, just unbelievable effort, wasn't it? Unbelievable effort. I mean, season of the day, Siobhan, is a, is a really lovely phrase for it. You know, some of these lads will hopefully have great Liverpool careers. Yeah. For a few of them, this might be as good as it gets. But if this is as good as it gets, then they'll always remember it. If this is as good as it gets, then, God, they've done more than we have, haven't we? <laughs> um, I, I, like you, John, I didn't really hold out much hope, but I also didn't mind that I didn't really hold out much hope. It was just going to be a lovely thing for them to be part of. Like, And in the builds up to it, I was thinking... I just hope it's not another villa. I hope it's not, uh, you know, one of them where the whole of, <clears throat> you know, kinds of football Twitter is saying like, oh, you couldn't even be to league one side at home and blah, blah, blah. And then obviously what would be to blame was the stance that Klopp had took in the build up to it and things like that. I'm just, I'm just absolutely made up for them. Um, the idea of anyone only being six years older than them has just put the frankness up me, Jamie, because like, you know, I'm like about 16 years older than them now. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm just absolutely thrilled for them, especially like some people who you thought that maybe weren't going to have a great game, like Vandenberg's been getting a bit of a bit of a kick and round, hasn't he, in places. Yeah. He was boss. Keller has, you know, he let him five twice and then he was he was just, the confidence towards the end of the match for him to just pick that one out was, I'm just made up for them. Yeah, I mean, Keller, Kev, I mean, I wasn't going to talk about him, but let's, because like, he, he won't be able to believe the season he's had. I mean, no. He must be thinking, it, you know, in, back in August, you know, they all, they all set out the plans, don't they? Oh, just have a you know good season. Cement the place as the number one in the under twenty three years or something like that. Because there was a lot of competition, but because lads have gone out alone or whatever, he's had some amazing experiences and and he's made the most of them. Yeah, he's he's been fantastic when he's played. As you said, there, Siobhan, he was he was unlucky at that Villa game. He was. The goals, yeah, they, they, you were expecting you can expect a goalie to make of that age to make mistakes, and he didn't. But he was still getting beat. And I've been in that position where you think I can't do anything about this, but you you feel stupid because yeah. you know goalkeeper I was defending the uh, the Southampton goalie last week, and I haven't watched it back a couple more times. So I was a bit like, oh well, maybe I my, wonder when I listened yeah, to that. I was like, maybe, right. I've, I've, I've been instincts always to, to go with the goalie. But to be fair, as you said with Keller, he's done nothing wrong at all since he's been playing, and he he was signed the day. He didn't have a great deal to do, but what he did. He's on with a plum, and it was the same for the rest of them. Really, yeah. they just, they, as you said, they just seized the day. They, loads of players who you think 
I, I looked at, I was with Mike Keane and I said to him, lad, do you want to see the size of our two centre midfielders? That uh, Kane and Clarkson, they were like little boys. And Kiravella was like the, the main man and he's tiny, isn't he? I was like, these could get bullied here, you know, and they were bossed. They didn't, they didn't take one backward step. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't wane from the plan of playing like the first team. And it's, that's, it's a bit of a cliche that sometimes all the teams play the same, but you watch them and they're like, oh, you might think they do, but they don't. But they did. They played that game exactly the way the first team would have been instructed to play it. And obviously, the first team would have waxed it'd be 15 nil or whatever. But these are, these are young kids that can have the age of 19 or whatever. And they've absolutely smashed out the park. And we were, we were right at the front of the cop. And you should have seen the celebrations. No one, when he scored... They were right in front of us, all kissing the badge and all that. You're winning about four different directions. Yeah. 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 And you know what? Like touching on like Chiravella and people like even Curtis Jones. Like you know, we've got high hopes for Curtis Jones. We've got high hopes for for a lot of them young players. But regardless, some of them young players like Chiravella and Jones. They Jones has earned himself a contract at Liverpool there for and, and off the back of that. If you got a two, three year contract with Liverpool and then went to somebody else, he'd still get another two, three year. Mm. In these couple of games against Everton and Shrewsbury, the likes of Caravella and Jones have cemented their, their livelihood as footballers. Yeah. And that's but Nicole Williams is another one. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant for them. And, you know, fair play to the lads because, you know, as a Liverpool, looking back over the years when young players were coming to Liverpool teams, they've never all been thrown in like that. It's always been one coming in with the big boys and sort of laying and trying to see if he was good enough with them. No one's ever really gone in and just thrown a whole group of kids together. Besides, like, even pre-season games, it's always half and half, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's that, and against Everton, it was just... It just felt just, right for them, hasn't it? phenomenal. Yeah. Like, and, you know what, every time, you know, the derby with Klopp, when he in the league where we beat them 5-2 all that criticism before the game what's he doing is he not taking this seriously same again the derby in the cup what's he doing is this is it you know and again Shrewsby anyone who's doubting or you know piping up against them you just need to keep your mouth shut until the result's over, don't you? Do you know what I mean? I like really? the, have you seen the picture of Clough with the meme where it's the one where he's on holiday with the air? What is it? Go and stay off and win the cup. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm not trying to work that out. I mean, and these, you, Kev there mentioned like no backward steps, and, and that's what really impressed me about, about the team. In that, I think, you know, an easy thing to say would have been, oh, they felt their way into the game, or the confidence grew as, 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 it, as it went on, and, they, and, you know, they maybe realised that they were the better team. They looked like that from minute one, from second one. They just went, we'll get on the ball and we'll smash it. Yeah, the attitude when they came out was from the get go was absolutely superb. They knew they were in a game, and that was my fear. The first 15, 20, they could stay in it and then grow into it a little bit. But they didn't give Sh- uh, Shrewsbury an inch. I mean, I'm just made up. I'm just made up that after the long and arduous season, that Andy Lonergan got arrested as well. <laughs> no, no, I'm he hasn't played, you know, because yeah. he was no. outstanding in pre-season. Um, but no, they, they took it on and deserved to win. Um, I, I thought it was interesting listening to Sam Nickett's uh, comments after the game when he was saying, leading into the first game, we'd had like our first full free week since the start of the season he said we didn't have that for the second leg and I think it shows but then then again that's a testament to the fitness of the boys on the pitch as well you know because you'd expect you know the, the professional footballers even League One standard are hyper fit and these young lads are only used to playing at a certain level especially a certain physical level which was my main concern but as you said earlier Kev, they, they, they didn't give an inch and they, they were right at it from the get go the only time I was worried there was a period just after Shrewsbury had the goal disallowed, where we sort of looked like we were waning a little bit. Tiring. 
and then from from well, it's got the second win. Yeah, from somewhere, from somewhere yeah. they got they got the second wins and and it looked like there was only ever going to be one winner. Um, my only disappointment was poor Harvey Elliott because he deserved the goal when he broke through late on. Yeah, he got he, fouled. He got fouled. No, he got yeah, fouled, and it kind of disrupted them a little bit because that would have, that would have capped the performance off perfectly. Yeah, me and my dad had the same worry actually on about sixty five minutes. So I was starting to worry that they were going to tire a little bit, like the touches started getting a little bit heavy, and I thought, oh, this is. Fatigue's kicking in a little bit now, you know what I mean? Because they were unbelievable, like you say, from the first minute. Couldn't believe how well he was moving the ball around and just dictating the game. But like you say, they all got the second win from somewhere, and we could, you know, we were lucky. To, do you know what? Nico Williams could have scored about three or four goals. Yeah, he's, he's a threat. I mean? isn't yeah, it's like we were unlucky there really to not beat them two or three. I think. Yeah, I don't. I haven't seen the goal. Their goal disallowed back. I haven't seen anything in it. Yeah. You know no, I mean? it, it was offside. Yeah, I, I didn't see nothing. Yeah. I mean, j- just one thing on Keller. I, I disagree a little bit with Kev. I think he struggled in the the, the Arsenal game and with a couple of goals. And I, I've thought he's looked a little bit cheeky, which basically leads to the game he had against Strews. We thought he was superb, but the big the big moment for me with him was the the cross late on. Of course, mm-hmm. yeah. He was about, he was about when he sixteen yards. Yeah, out, wasn't he that's when what I mean. Because he carried it with him. Because how many times you see keepers go for that? And as, as the balls arcing away from him as well, it's just out of his little reach. And and that's, at that stage of the game as well, it's so much easier to stay on your line and let someone else deal with that. And if I think if there's a shot, I'll save that. We well, can shrug your shoulders, can you? Yeah, like, it's not my fault. Yeah. But, he, but yeah, but he took responsibility and did that. Yeah, I, th- I think you're a bit harsh on the Arsenal game there. He made a couple of little mistakes, but he's a he's a child playing in goal. And yeah. as I've said before, centre halves don't. Mature for 25. But this is what I'm saying. Goalies are even later. He's only a kid, isn't he? You don't see how many goalkeepers you name under the age of 20 playing. Mm. So, yeah, no no more power to him. When are you going to mature, Kev? Soon. (laughs) (laughs) Any day now. Any day now. You touched on the centre half as well, though. Don't you reckon that the the pair of them, Hoover and Van der Beek, looked like they've played like. That like a high level of football, the, the way they were moving the ball around each other, just, just who Hoover looks a player all the time, yeah. I think. But Van Den we said it before, I've heard him. There was a few people starting to have a little go at him, but he was, he was absolutely sound. I don't know what people expected. 17. I've been a little bit disappointed in him in that because he played like a decent level of football before we signed yeah. him, and I just saw him a few times this season. And just thought I just thought he'd be a bit fair in his development. Level though, isn't it? I know. Well, he's he's had us all off the other night anyway, so it doesn't, <laughs> yeah, really matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter anymore, does it? Yeah. Um, Kev, I think that the lads have you've seen them develop over the year as well, which is which is what I like. And so you look at Neko Williams, um, someone who you know wasn't really talked about in the in the summer as as you know an ex big prospect or anything. You know, MK Don's game, which is the first time we saw the young players, he's not even on the bench, but he gets his start against Arsenal and, and has a good game at all. But he's got better every time, and that's what you want to see from these young lads. Is you're going to see, you know, odd times where they look a bit dodgy, or you're going to see times where, you know, as the lack of experience shows. But but if you're getting better and you're growing in every way, every time you put that red shirt on, then, then you're doing all right. Yeah, 100%. I, the Nico Williams one, I done the post match show after the Arsenal game, post match point me and Robbo. And I, I didn't slate him, but I just thought he had the worst game on the pitch. And it, a few other people said he played well, but I thought the Everton game, and obviously, uh, did he play the Everton one? Yeah, he did. Yeah, the Everton one, the, and he, the, the Stu's one the other night, 
he was the best player on the pitch for us the other night. And the thing with him is, he's already developed a sort of, he's got a man's physique. A lot of them are like sort of yeah. boys' bodies, but he's got a man's physique and he's got such a snarly little attitude on him as well. Do you know what I mean? He didn't take a backward step. Anytime anyone went near him, mate, if they, if they wanted to go for skills, fine, I'll play it at that. But if they wanted to have a little go at him, he's, he's more than game for doing solid that. in a tackle. Like, oh, he? he absolutely loves it. But he's... I was on the way home. I was talking to Mike, and I, I said he might be in like a bit of a mad position him, because now he's at the point where loads of people are saying keep him as understudy for Trent, and that makes perfect sense for Liverpool Football Club. But he could really do with next year getting ten or fifteen games, and you just I don't know whether I don't know how you get that with Trent in the side. Unless maybe you say to sense, well, some games you can play in midfield because you're not going to really want to take sense out because he's our main, he's really our main creative force, isn't he? But I think Nico Williams, he's good enough in my opinion to to be the backup right back at Liverpool. But for his own development, I think he's probably thinking I wouldn't mind going to somewhere like a Southampton or something maybe for a season, and I'm gonna go with that. So. Listen, these are first world problems for a, for a kid as age to have aren't he? Probably didn't expect to get a first team game this season and now we're talking about him as a first team starter. Not a starter next year, but a first team member. But yeah, I think he personified it for me. He's the one who's he's the, he's the one who's improved the most in this run of games and they're lucky. Well, the fact they're not lucky, they've earned it by winning games that they, they had no hope of winning and no right to winning really. Especially after the Villa one, it could have been a bit of a like... <coughs> We've got no chance in any of these. And I, I said that on the free show last week a little bit. I wasn't I wasn't really looking forward to it. And then the closer the game got, the more excited I was. And there's loads of them like that. Curtis Jones obviously done done very well. I thought Harvey Elliott had a good game as well. And even when he's not involved, it doesn't matter if he doesn't get a kick for like 10 or 15 minutes. When he does get a kick, he'll just try like a messy flick. His <laughs> confidence is fantastic. I love him. Uh, the, uh, sorry, Joe, I was going to say friends of the show, Matt Neko Williams. See friends of the show, George Dugdale was kicking off today because apparently England are trying to poach him. Oh, is that right? From Wales, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, there was a, there was a story put up somewhere, and uh, Dugdale was right on it. <laughs> oh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I just want to finish up on uh, Shiravala Andy because he's had a bit of a mad career, and he's he's obviously one of the older youngsters, and he's been around knocking around for a while, and I made up for him because I think you know earlier in the season, if you'd have asked him sort of honestly, he might have said that he sort of regretted moving to Liverpool because he was at Valencia, which is obviously a really good club, and. You might have thought, you know, if I'd have stayed at Valencia, I'd, I'd, you know, be in their first team now, maybe, and I'd have myself a decent little career. But now, whatever happens, at least he can think, I went to Liverpool and did that and had them performances and, you know, enjoyed myself. Well, his career now looks a lot better than what he did a couple of months ago. Uh, he's, he's coming under immense pressure. I mean, give reference to the Everton game, and that was massive pressure. And then, you know, you've got then got the media watching. Like, the whole country was watching to watch Liverpool get beat, let's be honest, the other day. Uh, and a lot of them would have relished Liverpool getting beat as well. So they had that on the shoulders. And as much as you could laud the youngsters, and I know Chirabella's still relatively young. How old is he? He was 22, the... 22, 22. <laughs> yeah. But he, he was essentially the dad out there. Yeah, he and he had to look at all. And he awesome. talked everyone through it, slowed it down, calmed it down. Even the little bits when one of the kids made, made, made a mistake, it yeah. was always him who was first over going, look, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, just relax. And it was interesting, I caught a couple of times, Klopp was in his ear quite a bit as well, but vice yeah. versa. Yeah. So he was very much his captain on the pitch. Can I come on a fireball here? Go right. on. Adam Lallana, the end of the season. Right. For me, Adam Lallana's been a decent enough servant. Right, he comes on now and he does a job. Can This kid's 23, right? Lallana's, what, 28, 29? For me, like, if you've got to give Lallana another contract, you may as well give it to this kid. Do you know what I mean? And and no, seriously, because for me, if anything, he's stood out more so than anybody 
like I think you were right, rightly talking to end on him, is he led by example every time he's played on the pitch against Everton. That was a tough game to go into against Everton because yeah. they're not nice games, are they? It's not a nice game of football. He had to battle and the tackles he was throwing in the way he was moving. Every aspect of his game against Everton was spot on. He got the assist against Shrewsbury away. Do you know what I mean? You could also do it where you maybe said to him and Curtis Jones, I think Curtis is probably more likely to go on loan, but you could maybe do it where you say to them, you can both sort of take his place in the squad. So sometimes one is will be on the bench, sometimes the other one is, and sort of getting the experience that way, couldn't you? Yeah, but I just think from what he showed us, Chiravella, out of every... All right, granted, he's a little bit older than most of the kids there, but what he's shown us is that he's more than good enough to, to, to do a job in that midfield. All right, maybe over the course of a season, he couldn't do it every week, no, could he? No, because he hasn't had the experience, but... Keeping him around the, the likes of Jordan Henderson, James Milner for being on. Keeping him around the team for, for me, he's done more than enough to say. You know what? We all want Curtis to do well. He's a local lad and everything else. But Pedro Tiervela stood out for me over everybody on over them. He only come on against Arsenal in, in the later stage of the game, but certainly against Everton and Shrewsbury the other day, he really, really, really led by example. And I just don't see. You look at these twenty-three-year-old kids, and you're looking at the likes of Adam Lallana. If he used to get another contract, would you? Is does you know we bring them on to sort of keep things ticking over and and put us first? Is that not what Chiravella does? And he's only about a year away from the testimonial now, Chiravella. And if he stays, yeah, he's he's been here a long time, and and the thing is, he's had a really really tough time. He's had a problem with work permits, everything. He hasn't played a lot of football, so for him to to stand up and do what he's done, I think show is, is a testament to his character and. You know, that maybe not everyone agrees with me, but my opinion is why not? Okay. Um coming up, uh, we've got Jamie more on Jamie Webster's gonna be talking about his music and uh, his new single, and uh, we got some information on an upcoming event uh, to support the Derby Women Foundation. And Neil's doing a little bit on women's football transfers as well, and then we'll be back in the studio to talk about this upcoming run of games and the excitement to come from that. But uh, yeah, now you get you gotta get me talking to Jamie. And in the studio with Jamie Webster. Um, welcome back. <laughs> always good to be back, John. Always. Nice one. Uh, we're here to talk about a little bit about your music and, and, and stuff around that. But obviously last time we had you in, it was to talk about uh, Weekend in Paradise, which was your, your first single you released, obviously, with the label. Uh, how did it go, generally? Were you pleased with the reception? Yeah, uh, unbelievable, really. The overwhelming, to be honest. The, the initial response to it was great. And obviously, it got to, I think it got to number eight in the chat, which was boss over the first couple of days. Died off quickly, but you know, <laughs> um, you know, I'm st- I'm still I'm sat on about four hundred and fifty thousand streams, which wow. is on Spotify alone, which is brilliant. I haven't yet looked at what sort of sales it's done, but and it seemed to me that enough people must have had a little go of buying it and uh, opening deals because it got to where it got in the charts. But no, I'm just made up with the uh, support. I got obviously a lot of Liverpool fans getting behind me, and you know, yeah, just supporting me in in, in a different sort of venture. But obviously. It broke out a little bit past them as well, which was also the intention. So I'm buzzing with it. Yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. The, the you know the original stuff spreading, and you've got a new single coming out as well. Yeah, living for yesterday. It's out on uh, the twelfth of Feb. And um, again, I made up with how it sounds. Worked with an old old colleague of yours in a sense, Richie Tavy on it. Oh, you used to used to very first producer the yeah. Anfield rap really back in the day. Yeah, well, Richie's like obviously he's done amazing things in music. I yeah, he's that. really kicked on since us. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> like he must be like the uh, the good luck charm. <laughs> but he's done he's done amazing things. Richie obviously works on the Blossoms album. He's worked yeah. on a new Cortina's album. He's just he's flying. Uh, so to be able to work with him is great. And 
you you know what you know what you're paying for when you yeah. hear the song at the end. Basically, it's just it's amazing. So, yeah, nice one to Rich for for helping me out. But the new single "Living for Yesterday," it's uh, I think it's just as big as Weekends in Paradise. Yeah. It's a it's a crowd favorite when you play live, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah when, when you get your live set, it's one that always goes down well. Yeah, quite a scouse sort of lyric song again, and quite relative relatable to to most people who'll be listening to it. So. Yeah, I hope again, if it does half as well as Weekends in Paradise, you know, um, I'll be buzzing. And I know you're working towards an album, you're busy recording and things like that. Have you sort of nailed sort of what that's going to look like? Yeah, um, I'm at the minute, where me and me managers are sort of in dispute over what tunes are going to make the album. But I've, I'm more than prepared for me for my album. I've got about twenty to twenty five songs. I mean, it's a good problem to have, isn't it? it when is, you pick it between is. songs, rather and, than... and the good, the good and bad thing about it is everybody who's listened to the tunes like different tunes, so there's different favourites. And I've got a couple of my close mates to give me their prepared ten, twelve tunes, and every list is sort of different. The the, the main ones are on there, sort of to be done. But yeah, I'm just looking forward to getting them all sort of recorded now and finished. And yeah. Just get it out there now. Well, it'll be towards the end of the summer, but still, I'm, I'm, I'm I've always dreamed of doing this sort of thing, so to do it's amazing. I mean, it's harder than this, maybe people think choosing what goes on that album, isn't it? Because I think people maybe think, oh, you write twelve songs and then you then you go, yeah, that that's my album done. But but actually, it's you know those of us who are in the business know, Jamie. Exactly, they're like yeah. that. It's all about well, what do actually you know what sound I want it to be, what fits in. You might have a really good song, but if it doesn't fit in with the others, then it'll feel like it kind of I've sticks out. Literally had that problem. Um, I've started playing with the band now obviously for my live gigs and we went in this, into Par Street and recorded um, three other sort of singles and we come out of the studio me and the lads and, and the producer thinking oh, they sound great but then when we compared them to the Weekends in Paradise and Living for Yesterday which was already recorded it was like oh, the, it's a different band <laughs> yeah it wouldn't fit on an album so we've sort of had to remix them and stuff like that and it is it's, it's a lot more than, than I thought would be but at the same time, the album's got a concept and it's basically the the escapes and struggles of, of working class life. And yeah, I, that's one thing that will fit, you know what I mean? Mm. Sort of the lyrics behind all the songs and that they sort of fall into each other and, and what I'm trying to get at and what I've experienced and what my mates have experienced. So I'm just looking forward to, to seeing the feedback now. If I sink, I sink. If I swim, I swim. You know what I mean? But at least I can say I've enjoyed every minute of the minute. And, and you've given it a go. Yeah, um, it a go. In terms of the live stuff, I know you've got quite a lot booked in. Um, a few shows sold out already, obviously. And But but, but what other stuff? Uh, what can you let people know about? I've obviously my mini tour in Febs uh, sold out, which is Liverpool, Dublin, London. Buzzing about that. Um, as far as the Liverpool stuff, you know. I can't talk about any of the, the things that are coming up, but I'm I'm pretty much away for most most of June and July, and that that's amazing. Obviously, there's gonna be title party, <laughs> maybe parties in May. You never know what's, you know. We don't want to, I don't want to jinx anything before it's <laughs> set in stone. But obviously, Liverpool fans know that. Well, by the time we're celebrating this league title, they'll, they'll see me as they will see yourselves. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And then once the album's out, I'll be doing a, a tour off the back of that, like bigger than the one that I'm doing in Feb. You know, looking to get some cities in Scotland, north of England, and just, just yeah, just having a go and doing it. But uh, just in that tour in September, there is a massive show in Liverpool, which is going to get announced pretty soon. Brilliant. And uh, 
Yeah, I'm looking, looking forward to that. So keep your ears out for that and buy a ticket, please. <laughs> now, yeah, keep, keep your ears out for, for the, the, the solo tour. But you mentioned the sort of slap bang in the middle of, of this year, which you're hoping is a breakout one for your own music. You know, there's there's big events coming up for Liverpool. You know, there's a there's a Premier League title, we all hope, maybe another Champions League final as well. And and you're the man in the band now. I know you've recently come back from Dubai and there's other stuff that, you know, people are asking you to do all the time. And how do you find it balancing that? Because it must be quite tough because obviously you want to focus on your, your own music, but yeah. also, you know, you're a, you're a gigging musician now, so you've got to take work on, but also I know how much you love doing yeah. it as well. It, it's tough because I do love the Liverpool stuff to death and it's got me to this position where I can say that I'm working on an album and like when I'm not working on a building site anymore and I've got, I have got can't be anything but thankful for that and, and feel lucky. And I would never, ever want to sort of, what's the word for it, take it for granted because, you know, it's... Even no matter how well my own stuff does, you know, sixty thousand people in Madrid, it's gonna be hard to top. Do you know what I mean? It's it's the best day of my life to date. It's it's been the transition is is what I'm finding hard, obviously, because for every post you do about your own music, you get Liverpool fans asking about Liverpool stuff, and at the same time, for people who necessarily aren't Liverpool fans who like my own music, yeah, when I'm sort of posting about the Liverpool stuff. You know, obviously not everyone's a Liverpool fan and yeah. people who aren't Liverpool fans really don't like us. So, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's that aspect of it as well. But I'm just, you know what, I'm just going to try and do my best with it all. And thankfully, I've got good management around me now in uh, Dave Pitcherlingi and Alfie Skelly do it, like, probably a lot more stressed out than I am trying to, <laughs> trying to manage my diary for uh, the next few months. But, yeah, I can't be nothing but thankful for it all. Do you know what I mean? It's just it's a boss experience. If you'd have told me three years ago, that this would be my life and this is what I'll be doing for even if it's for John if you know it's for a year yeah. you know what I mean mate it's it's amazing I could never have dreamt of it so I just like I say thankful to basically everyone at Boss Night everyone you know at the Anfield Rap everyone who's, who's helped me along the way Liverpool FC but most most of all the fans who supported me right from you know the early Boss Night days in the halfway house when you know it wasn't a big thing and yeah. I'm just made up the because without them getting behind me, I wouldn't be able to be in the positions I am. So, yeah, thanks to everyone who's, who might be listening who's helped me along the way. So, I mean, you, you think about sort of everything that you achieved in 2019, obviously, you know, you mentioned Madrid there, you know, the stuff you did in guitar, watching Liverpool become world champions and stuff like that, and, and obviously getting your first single out as well. You know, that's, that's amazing stuff, isn't it? Stuff you would have dreamed about. But, I mean, this year has the potential to be even better, doesn't it? Yeah. Both in terms of what you're going to do from a footy point of view, but also, you know, the album and everything around that and just sort of growing that. Jeff, I mean, it's, it's a probably... If you, if I sat down and thought about it, it probably scare me a little bit, you know what I mean? It stressed me out, but as, as you know, I'm not that sort of person. I'm quite a laid-back person anyway, so I just try now and just take, take each bit of information and each day as it comes and just, you know, I, I'll set aside my days for me Liverpool stuff where, where I know I've got, say, a load of gigs to book in or mm. maybe something to think about for something that I am doing in a gig and I'll just choose me other days for me for me own music. It's It, it could go... Like you say, it could go bang or it could go bust, but you, you can't really think about it, can you? You just gotta try and be in each moment and just crack on. Do you know what I mean? That's that's my motto anyway. Just make the best of anything that comes, and if it happens, it happens. Like I say, it'd be amazing if I could have a better year than last year. But if I didn't, at least I've had a go at, at making it happen. Do you know what I mean? It's a good motto to have. Uh, just before we finish, then the new singles out. Twelfth of Feb. 
get on midnight, it midnight so get on it yeah living for yesterday it's called Spotify iTunes all the all the hits yeah the full you bang me <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot for Jamie for coming in uh, do support his music it's fantastic do kind of spread the word as well because as Jamie says you don't have to be a Liverpool fan to enjoy it it's a uh, working class culture at its best um, nice one to Jamie and yeah now back to the main show so we're always looking for exciting new hosts on the Anfield Wrap and a young upstart called Mike Kearney he's had a go at presenting his own podcast and we think it's fantastic it is available on tour player which is our subscription audio service so if you don't currently subscribe to that then here's a little bit of a taster of one of the things you're missing out on um as i say it's mike kearney's new show it's going to be all about coaching he's going to be speaking to coaches up and down the country on how they see the game how they've gone into the football and how it affects how they watch it and, and their approaches really mike used to do a bit of coaching himself so he's got you know good experience and knows the right questions and we started off uh, with sean rogers obviously of this parish and um, but we've got some really exciting guests for him lined up so we're really looking forward to this as i say it's a new edition to our subscriber service on tour players. So here are three or four minutes of Mike's chat with Sean Rogers. I I always found when I got interested in coaching, it, it helped me game because I was understanding more because I was because you're physically learning more about the game. Yeah, and it, like as you said, I wasn't great at football, but and like my situation was mainly my eyesight. I, I always had to feel like I, I had to know more. I had to be able to anticipate better than people who were fully sighted around me. And that sort of got me interested in coaching because I felt like it was something I had that no one else did. And I, I sort of, you know, blossomed a bit from the age of 13 to 17, 18 in terms of being decent and, and being able to be good enough to, to play school level, Sunday league level, which I, to me was a massive achievement. I I wanted to know what how, when you started coaching, did you... Did you feel as if you wanted to start managing, not not just a a possible way into football? Did you did you have it in you that you one day want to be a manager of yeah. on any level of football? Yeah, it's funny, you know. I've had, I've had this chat with Kopi off completely off air before, where I think a lot of people just in the way that they're brought up as a kid uh, have almost got, and it doesn't mean you're going to be good. By the way, you know, I tell you now, I was a very poor leader for a very long time, um, but I do think that when you're a young kid growing up. That it's almost genetic in you, um, and, and your environment. Almost, you know, I, it's something I said to Paul. A lot of managing directors moan about the staff. I know I used to go. Why aren't the people coming through at twenty one doing what I used to do at twenty one? And the answer to that is that you were always going to be, go on to become a managing director or some kind of leader role. So you can't judge everyone by that. People work at different rates. A lot of most people look at leadership roles when they're a bit older in life. You know. Um, and mine was just a bit of a fluke, to be honest with you, in that, you know, I'd, I'd captained a lot of teams and at times not captained them very well. You know, I'd sort of grown up with the, if you do well, you get a pat on the back and if, if you steer off, you get an absolute volley of abuse. And we we were moving into a different era, weren't we? Do you know what I mean? When I left school and sort of, you know, late 90s now, the world's changing, culture's changing, but also, you know, Rigo Saki started to change the mould. You know, you you in the past you had to, they, they thought you had to be a horse to become a jockey do you know what I mean well you don't have to be a horse to be a good jockey so you don't have to be a world class footballer to be a world class coach uh, quite often it's probably best that you're not and then after Arrigo Saki you've got people like Arsene Wenger coming through then obviously Gerard Houllier moves to Liverpool so all around and then you've got Rafa coming in and then it's sort of Rafa v Mourinho these two people who you know Mourinho very fortunate in a way you know unbelievable kind of um 
ability to learn but Bobby Robson gives him a job as an interpreter sees him doing a couple of little bits with the goalkeeper and gives him a chance that all of us would absolutely kill for you know so that was the kind of era we were growing up in and then a very good friend of mine asked me if I'd go on me sort of level one coaching badge with him and I hadn't thought about it to be honest with you so I went to Liverpool FA um, did the level one um, coaching badge and then um, an opportunity came up to work with um Wirral Schoolboys side, Wirral Schoolboys for a number of different reasons hadn't had a team for a long time. Um, there were a lot of youngsters on the Wirral that weren't getting chance to play county football. The Liverpool FA under Tom were absolutely flying. They were winning like national cups year in, year out. So there was a lot of um, kids on the Wirral like Tranmere, Wrexham, Everton, Liverpool, you know, a, a decent football in area who just couldn't play county football. So we were given the opportunity to go in there and help out, and and that's I think what really um, inspired me to 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 do it because we'd been helping out a, a really local team. Um, a, a mate of mine was working in a bank in Liverpool. Typical thing. It's a fella in there who's a dad of a kid in the team, no coaching badges or anything, and he's got to do the under 11s or it won't exist, which is is fine. But it was interesting looking at other managers on the touchlines because. I always, you know, anyone listening to this who's in, I always warn people about this that whatever you think is your European Cup final isn't. And even in non league, you know, you look back and think, I'm going for a particular league title, even in adult football. And then as you progress, you look back and go, was that as big as I thought it was? Did it matter as much as I thought it was? And certainly in youth football, because I'd come, because I was still young and because I could see what was going on in other touchlines, we adopted a completely different approach. And, you know, I'm going back now to about, 20, 2008, 2007. But, you know, no matter how good or poor the team was, we made it enjoyable. Everyone got the same minutes. We rotated all the players. Um, it didn't, you know, we managed the parents at the start of the season in terms of saying, these are the rules. If you don't like it, do one. Um, you're going to sign up to them. This is what we're going to implement. Um, and it was it was great. Yeah, if you want more of that, as I said earlier, it's on our subscription audio service. So if you go to theanfieldwrap.com forward slash subscribe, you can sign up there. It's £7 a month for audio. Or if you fancy the video as well, it's a tenner a month. There are loads of great stuff on there at the moment. Loads of good interviews we've done, obviously, over the last 12 months. And it's your best place as well for immediate post-match reaction to this fantastic Liverpool side. Winning run towards glory. Um, coming up now, we've got Josh. Speaking about uh, events coming up for the um, Derby Rimmer Foundation. So, yeah, over to Josh. Hi, it's Josh Sexton for The Weekender. We're doing another little special here about the Derby Rimmer Foundation. We're going to tell you about a special event we've got coming up. I'm joined by Luke Garrett and by John Connors. Uh, lads, just introduce yourselves first and, and, and your sort of background. Hello, everyone. Yep, John Connors here. Um, quick, quick background about me is currently involved in some um, event wise with Cop Mania. Uh, promoting some ex-players and giving some fans the chance to come and meet the players and listen to the stories, but heavily involved with uh, with the Derby Rimmer Foundation through 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 my friend school from school Chris and and with Luke uh, and, we're, and we're we're going to do another event now to to raise a lot of money with the foundation. And Luke yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, work for a company in the city at Eastside. Um, went through school with Chris and good friends with Stephen through his older brother and through playing football and. Uh, John and I went to school together, so yeah, we made the decision to to put on an evening, and obviously with the the links to the the club, we wanted to heavily incorporate Liverpool and the, the city itself. So when Stephen sort of goes through his diagnosis for for you, Luke, because you, you've obviously got the, the sort of history with him, at what point did you sort of think that 
you want to help and you want to you want to sort of put your put your weight behind the foundation. When Stephen uh, retired, the it came out on the the news. So I um, I dropped his brother a text and I just said to him, "You need to get in touch with a pal of pal of ours, Chris, who uh, was diagnosed a number of years earlier." And Chris had the all the background. He'd done a lot of research, so it was definitely get, connecting the two together. And for you, John, at what point do you sort of want to get involved and, and throw your weight behind this this foundation? Well, we 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 done something um, in August of last year for Chris, um, and it was it was when Cotmania started out. We done a, we done a kind of a small event um, where we had Jamie Webster singing, and we had a lot of ex players there: Bruce Grobler, Alan Kennedy, uh, David Johnson, David Fairclough, Jimmy Case, and Terry McDermott. And we invited Chris along to to come and support the event, where we 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 found out whether you know how we could raise money for Chris and how we could benefit the, the foundation. So it started for Cotmania in, in, in August of last year. Really. And so, Luke, when, when did you first start to come up with the idea of, of, of doing something in terms of this this evening you've, you've got planned? When did this come together as an idea for you? It was uh, on a taxi ride to the airport or going on holiday last summer, uh, <laughs> chatting with me, my friend Robbie, who was, who was heavily involved in the night as well. We just decided we wanted to do something, we want, but we didn't want to... We'd done a lot of small events uh, throughout the years when Chris had been diagnosed. And we just wanted to just go bigger and we just wanted to raise the profile of the work that Chris and Stephen have been doing. And the easiest way to do that was just to, to do it on a grander scale. And John, when did you decide to get in, in, involved in that? When did Luke sort of pull, pull in your help? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a good few months ago where, where we had the conversation of, of how we could kind of maximise the exposure for it. Um, and it wasn't long after the launch of, of the Derby Rimmer Foundation become official that we said, right, let's... Let's do a huge gala dinner. Let's, you know, let, let's let's start with a bang really, and 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 get some ex players involved. And there's there's not many bigger in Liverpool than than Jamie Carragher and Peter Crouch. You were gonna obviously launch this 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 uh, gala evening as well, and give give us some um, give us some great stories and, and and insight into what's happening at Liverpool at the moment. And Luke, in terms of setting this up, how, how have you sort of found that as as an experience for for yourself in terms of setting up the night? It's a, it's new for me, yeah. in all honesty. Uh, it's not not my background, but yeah, I've just kind of just went with it. A lot of help from John. That's uh, John's got a lot of background, so I've just kind of approached it in terms of from the charity angle. You know, just basically making people aware of what we're trying to do and to get them behind us to endorse it. Um, so yeah, I've played on the emotions of uh, of what these guys are working so hard to achieve. And John, you've obviously been involved in, in a lot of these sort of events. What was it about this this one in particular which, which made you want to, to get involved and obviously in terms of getting behind the Derby Rimmer Foundation as well? First and foremost, it was, it was for Chris, as I say, who, who, was a, who was a friend through school. And then you know, when you leave school, you don't, you don't see a couple of lads for, for many years. And then it was just really then you know, kept in touch with most of my ex-schoolmates through Facebook, really. But then seeing, seeing the news of when Chris was diagnosed to kind of where he is now, it just, just gives me more... More passion about wanting to help that, not just Chris, but raising the awareness and trying to help everyone going forward. I suppose we'll get into the the, the details of the night then itself, Luca. What what can sort of people expect if if they if they want to get involved with the night with the evening? Well, in terms of uh, the evening itself, it's you know it's a garlic dinner, so they're going to get a fantastic meal. They're going to get the opportunity to meet and greet with uh, Jamie Carragher, Peter Crouch, get to ask them some some uh, personal questions in 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 their, in their own environment. Get to also sit back and enjoy the two players regale stories of playing together, playing um, against each other to some expect uh, to some extent, um, and then 
some fantastic opportunity to get some uh, Liverpool memorabilia and, and memorabilia from other sports and other clubs also. And John, when when is the night itself and how can people sort of get involved? Where can they find out more information about this? Well, the, the gala evening is on Friday the 13th of March. It's it's it's, it's a great build-up for the, the, the forthcoming derby against Everton where... Fingers crossed, we we could we could lift a certain something there possibly, um, but but the night itself is a, it's going to be a wonderful evening and it, and it's it's about raising as much money as we can towards the foundation. So there'll be lots of opportunities to do that on the evening and and, and own and win some fantastic memorabilia if you like with the with with the style of auctions and different prizes and giveaways. So that's uh, that's only and you can you can you can uh, purchase seats um, by just by visiting Copmania. .co.uk um, you can buy tables or single seats and you've got the opportunity for kind of standard seats or meet and greet the players as well where you'll get a, a signed photograph with the lads yeah I think it goes without saying it's a, it's a great cause and great what you guys are doing as well sign up by evening I'm sure it'll be a good one the Amphir app will, will hopefully be involved in some way so you can look out for us there as well if you do want to get involved we'll leave the details for all of that in the description but that's been another weekender segment and it's John Gibbons for the Amphir app on weekender and it is the last fan standing quiz last fan standing is a quiz app for your phone that we are partnering up with and it's all about testing your LFC knowledge every night at 7 o'clock there's a brand new quiz you can go on there and it is as it sounds last fan standing so if you as soon as you get one wrong you're out but if you can get to the end if you can get all eight right then you will get 100 percent. you'll be the last fan standing and you'll be in the know also every time there's a game there's a predictor quiz where you can play three hours before and you can basically predict what's going to happen in the game there's eight questions there and those are for cash prizes now obviously there's no game this weekend but we're going to carry on with the quiz and joined over skype uh by john kenny who lives in germany i believe uh, you don't sound german john <laughs> No, I'm Irish. I've lived here for a for a few years. I was I was brought over here by a Bavarian woman, so I've been here for about six years. But uh, still a big Liverpool fan. <laughs> Fantastic. So presumably you were in Germany pre Jurgen, and I've seen a, a bit more yeah. interested in in Liverpool, a bit more interested in Liverpool since uh, since Jurgen took over. Yeah, there's a huge interest. I mean, I mean, there was always a bit of interest in Liverpool, but since he's taken over, it's, I mean, it's big news over here. Every match pretty much is is, is on TV. Um, I think they're very proud of the fact that he's doing so well abroad. He's their biggest managerial export, I suppose, the most successful one. Mm. But um, yeah, but living in living in Munich, I mean, yeah, I speak to a lot of Bayern Munich fans, and they all want him to be the manager. And I'm like, there's no, there's no chance that's happening anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's happier in Liverpool, and we're certainly not going to sack him. No, uh, and my whole my whole family are Bayern Munich fans, so the Champions League match was fun last. <laughs> <season>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair it was, fair it was. Okay, we'll get going. So how it works uh, for yourself, John, and obviously everyone listening, um, you carry on until you get one wrong and then you are out and we'll see. And we keep saying we're going to do a bit of a leaderboard at the end of the season, um, but we haven't started that yet. So that'll be probably involve someone who's on work experience <laughs> listening back to weekend this at the end of the year uh, and seeing how we get on. But anyway, uh, question one. Um, says here, great victory for the youngsters against Shrewsbury. Who was in goal for the Reds? Was it Andy Lonergan or Kevin Kelleher? It was Kevin Kelleher, a good Irishman. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I just thought when that popped up, I'm going to have to pronounce this to an Irishman, uh, I, but, I thought, I, yeah. but I thought I did okay. Uh, you did okay. I, I couldn't get that one wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was, right, he's, the 20, he's a 21-year-old from Cork, and uh, the Anfield right. Rapper obviously in Cork this weekend. Uh, looking yeah. forward to that. Um, number two, who will Liverpool now play in the next round of the FA Cup? Is it Chelsea or Tottenham? 
It's Chelsea. It is. Uh, just been announced yeah. for the Tuesday night. Yeah. Uh, number three, no Premier League game this weekend, but how many points do Liverpool currently have in the Premier League? Is it 73 or 71? Now we played. 73. Yeah, 73. there we are. I was going to yeah. give you a clue there, but we didn't even need it. I was going to say we <laughs> played 20, played 25 games, but everyone yeah. everyone knows that points total at the moment. Um, yeah. Okay, next up for the Reds are Norwich. Liverpool got the first three points this season against Norwich at Anfield. Was the score 3 1 or 4 1? 4-1. It was, correct. Yeah. Flying here, mate. Um, <laughs> so the Reds played Norwich in the first game, but who would they play in the last game of the season? Is it Newcastle, Arsenal or Chelsea? Um, Newcastle. It is. It's away at St. James's Park. Uh, yeah. Number six, Jürgen will be back from his break next week. Um, in which German city was he born? Was it Mainz, Stuttgart or Dortmund? I should know this living in Germany I think it's Stuttgart it is Stuttgart I read the other day that he was quite rude about Stuttgart recently and they've all got a bit of a cop on with him um, which was oh, really? quite interesting I, yeah. I mean he called the people weird or something um, but you know I'm sure he was only they're joking they're a little bit weird are they? oh there you are True. oh fuck them then um, yeah. <laughs> okay uh, question six in the next champ- seven sorry uh, in the next Champions League game will um so who have Liverpool got in the next round of the Champions League, basically? Um, there's a roundabout way of asking, is it Dortmund, Atletico Madrid or Real Madrid? Atletico. Yeah, that's an easy one for question seven, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, in what season did Liverpool last play Atletico Madrid in the Champions League? Was it 08-09 or 09-10? That's a good question. Um, in the Champions League, I think it was 09-10. No, it was 08 09. Uh, that is a tricky one because we played them in the group stages in 2008 and then we played them in the Europa League in 2010. Um, That's what I was so, thinking of. We lost in the semi final. Yeah, semi final. Yeah, yeah uh, lost on, on away goals. Uh, okay. So that, that was a hard one. Uh, but you did yeah. well. You got seven right. It might be good yeah. enough to get into the semi finals if we figure it out at the end of the season. Uh, but, okay. but we'll definitely send you some merch. Um, so if you can let us know your, your address in Germany and your shirt size and we'll send you something over. Um, okay. But um, yeah, thanks very much for playing. Uh, do download everyone the Last Fan Standing app. It's good fun. It's completely free. And yeah, every now and again, you'll see me, me and or Neil uh, doing one of the quizzes. Uh, but thanks a lot to John. And now back to the show. A pleasure to be joined by Kieran Taven from The Athletic uh, to talk about a piece he's written uh, pertaining to women's football, transfers, player welfare, wages, all of that sort of stuff. Um, if you want to read that piece and you don't subscribe to The Athletic, if you go to the athletic.co.uk forward slash the Anfield Rap, you'll be able to uh, get all sorts of reductions there for uh, access to the Athletics' fantastic set of writing, and one of those writers is Kieran, and here he is. And Kieran, the piece was—I mean, firstly, you know, coming from a predominantly influenced by men's football at elite level background, it was—it was—it was eye-opening stuff, really, about the the absolute uh, the the firstly the idea that contracts are all between one and two years, the fact that so many women move on freeze, the fact that there's maybe not the the sort of protection from agents that we're used to seeing in the men's game it is something totally and profoundly different isn't it yeah well look thank first of all thanks for having me on uh, always been an admirer of the work that you guys do and the the numerous awards that you seem to <laughs> scoop at these uh, these evenings it's all jerry mandarin <laughs> <laughs> but look um absolutely i think that was one of the reasons that we wanted to do the piece i've covered women's football for over 10 years and as it's become more professional it's changed a lot and and transfers were was something that no one really spoke about. Players would move around clubs, of course they would, but there were no transfer fees involved. There were no agents involved. Agents are are relatively new to the women's game. Maybe for the last five or six years, we've seen them sort of 
gradually come into the game and now there seems to be an agent for every player regardless of whether they're 18 years old or you know more established than that but you're right the the wages that we're talking about the bonuses we're talking about are obviously significantly lower than what we're used to in the men's and I think it's important to state that while there are a lot of people that think women players are trying to you know get equal pay to the men they're not they're quite literally just looking for for what they would describe as fair pay. Um, and it's getting there. Uh, we're still a long way off. But the purpose of the piece was really to highlight how different it is. You know, the transfer window itself runs a slightly different time to the men's. Uh, the transfer fees, as you said, um, almost non-existent. Only three, I think it was 3.7% of, tran- of, of transfers that happened in 2019 involved a, th- a fee. 86% of transfers that happened uh, didn't involve anything. It was a player moving... Uh, from one club to another for, for as a free transfer. So uh, very different to what we're used to in the men's game. Is the it's interesting that you know you mentioned that I mean the wages let's it's almost not even worth comparison uh, doing a comparison on the, uh, the 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 disparity is so great and it is something that should be remembered whenever you know whenever the conversations had about the women's game the disparity in wages is so deep but it's it I say it's almost by the by here for me one of the things that struck me as you know. The, the, firstly, the same the same reality within the career applies, which is that it's got a longevity about it. I mean, you know, Becky Easton's in place till she was forty three, but that's an extreme example. Most most women footballers, you know, are in, in, in the same boat as, as as men's footballers, in that they're going to the careers are going to end about thirty three and thirty four, and it's therefore the idea that there didn't seem to be almost like safeguarding around what are, what are people going to do next? What's the long term future for these for these women? And you know, it does it still feels as though you're still a, a good distance away from that, but they haven't even got before you talk about the mental health aspects they haven't even got the cushion of of of, the, of, of, of of a financial cushion to work with no you're you're absolutely right and and one of the agents that i spoke to who's mentioned in the piece says that you know they're already talking to their clients about life beyond football and we're talking about players who are 23 24 years old they don't want them to get to the end of their career with no idea what they're going to do i think you know one advantage maybe that some women's players have over the men is that you know, they're not plucked from, you know, clubs at nine, ten years old and yeah. put into academies. You know, some of these players have been to university. Some of them have got degrees and, and, are, and are well educated. And that's not a, that's not a, a dig at men's players. It's just a, it's a different game in a different industry. But there are players, especially in the United States, a number of players retire in their mid 20s and use the degrees that they've got to go off and, and probably earn more money in a job than they will in football and and that's probably applicable to some players in England as well it may well be that their careers are more lucrative when they finish than when they're actually playing when when this when and as this industry changes because you know in, within the piece you mentioned the fact that for the first time there's there's a growth sort of in agents around this and that there is a a desire also for for the the sort of the the shroud that's around all of this knowledge as to who's in and what and therefore comparison points for dis, to, to begin to disappear and you know it, it does feel as though it's a it's a moment where this is changing a bit with the increased exposure that will come obviously exposure as to what goes on behind the scenes as well as what goes on on the pitch is there a sense of optimism that firstly the women in women's football can begin to earn more or is there a sense that that money's mostly going to go to certain star players yeah it's a bit of both if i'm being if i'm being honest i think now there are more players that can earn a living out of it it's just dependent on as you say, those players at, that, at those top clubs can can earn what you would describe as a comfortable living. There are players in the women's game, uh, not many of them, admittedly, but there are some on six-figure salaries for a year. You know, we're not talking about 
hundreds of thousands of pounds a week. We're talking six figure salaries for you know a year. So there are some that can earn a very good living. And obviously now as women's footballers become uh, more exposed to the public eye, there's obviously more um, opportunities for endorsements and commercial opportunities. So, you know, their, their agents aren't just looking at what they can earn on the field. They're looking at what they can earn off the field as well. Boot endorsements, you know, players uh, in, in certain clubs have got deals with, with jewelry companies and, um, you know, much like we see with the men, they have endorsements with, with commercial mm -hmm. companies who are looking to, to use them to market their products. So that exists now and that maybe wasn't something that we saw before so players can earn a good living but it's only going to be a, a small percentage if we're looking at the bigger picture uh other little things within this as well striking within the piece something i did know about because i know about it in the context of uh, of liverpool is this this idea that a lot of these women end up cohabiting they end up living together uh almost in what sounds to me like <laughs> at times almost sounds like the set for a sitcom or a piece of reality television that you know a lot of the women's teams end up housing their footballers all together so you go and train with them all day and then you've got to go back and you've got to go back to the place where the people that you've all trained with all day it's you know it is worth remembering that this you know at times sounds a little bit like a combination between the the house and the young ones and a boot camp yeah it is i mean every every well most clubs will have uh, clubhouses so they will either own, I'm not sure if they own or rent them but players are in a position where when they come to a, to a club it's likely that they replace an outgoing player or as I said in the piece you know there are players that that have given support to find their own accommodation but I think where where they can the club would prefer to house players with other players because obviously they're going to save money by doing that but yes it's as it says in the piece there are um, pretty much every club will have, uh, you know, player accommodation that is specifically for individuals coming in, especially those that are coming in from from further afield, from abroad, or from other parts of the country. Um, it's you know the players are not put up in in swanky hotels or in expensive accommodation. They, you know, try to try to fit them in where they can in in the accommodation that the club is responsible for. And lastly, before we have a little bit of chat about uh, the weekend's game, uh, I think that is the. Is there in general, so for instance, the Barclays deal last March comes to massive fanfare. Uh, it's, it is such a huge amount of money. There is obviously then sort of questions about that, which is how that money and that, how that money once it gets to the to the WSL. So the WSL negotiate the deal with Barclays, but then it's what happens next and how that money translates to facilities, translates to pitches, which has been a recent issue around Liverpool, uh, translates to also getting to the participants themselves. And is there... Are there yet any real concerns that that's being done properly or is the feeling that it's going to take a little bit of time, it's going to be a little bit of a work in progress, but hopefully the 10 million deal will get to will, will get to effectively uh, improve the quality of the league and the quality of the life of the people playing in it? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's going to take a little bit of time. It's very early on. We're in the first year of that deal that Barclays um, coming on board as, as the main commercial sponsor of the Women's Super League. I think we've kind of seen very gradually it sort of coming to fruition when you look at the the standard of player that the clubs are able to now attract and and you know we're talking about clubs that maybe aren't the size of uh, you know some of those teams at the top you know Bristol City for example are languishing near the bottom of the league were able to bring in uh, an Australian international now I know Australia on the men's side of the game aren't what you would describe as an elite side, but on the women's side, they are. Um, mm. And we're talking about a club near the bottom of the league able to to bring in an Australian international. Um, I know that your listeners won't like this, but Everton have made some good signings as yep. well. 
um, showing a little bit of interest in in trying to, you know, make themselves more of a more of a force in the women's league like they were well nearly ten years ago. Um, so yeah, I think it will take a little bit of time. I think um, you know some of that will go on trying to attract talent into the league, and that is the, the women's super league is now seen as one of the the main leagues in the world. One of the agents I spoke to said that a lot of players now see England as the place to be, which is great. Uh, but we need the financial backing to be able to accommodate those players coming in, whether that's wages or, as you said, the, the standard of pitches or um, you know accommodation, whatever it might be. But I think it'll be a, a slow process. But we're seeing we're seeing signs of it early doors already. Uh, the weekend then, uh, Liverpool women go to Everton women uh, at Goodison Park. Uh, the games at Goodison Park for the first time. It's one the weekend I think where Kieran. Liverpool very much need a win. They won last time out. Um, they find themselves in this position where ultimately they are battling with Bristol at the bottom of the table. It does look as though from the outside looking in, Bristol are a, a poorer side, certainly a much more porous defence, uh, conceded a hell of a lot of goals this season. Liverpool's problem has all been in front of goal, hasn't it, Kieran? They simply cannot get the ball into the back of the net. Yeah, and don't read too much into Bristol City's defence because 11 of those came in one match, which I don't particularly like talking about. But they got done 11-1 by Arsenal before Christmas. So, um, you know, it was one of those freak games where uh, they just, well, they just didn't turn up. But mm. yeah, look, looking at Liverpool, um, they've got some good players. Uh, they're underperforming, there's no doubt about that. Uh, I think that, you know, the, the pitch situation at Tranmere is not helping them, um, or it certainly did help them in, in, on the flip side, you know, earning a point against Chelsea, who are absolutely flying at the moment before Christmas. But, yeah, they need a win. Um, they'll want to avenge the defeat that they had at Anfield. Obviously, the two met um, in the first derby of the season um, at, at your place, and, and Everton were able to squeeze a victory out there. And um, speaking to, to one of the Everton players this week, they admitted that Liverpool were the better team on the day, but Everton were the ones that they came away with the result. And, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. Liverpool have managed to shore up the defence, but... They're struggling up front, which is a surprise because they've actually got you know a few players in that in that team who've got good experience at this level. Um, you know, one or two of them have have shown in the past that they're quite capable of finding the back of the net, but for some reason at the moment it's just not quite happening. But uh, they've got a good coach in in Vicky Jepson, very well respected, despite the fact that they're struggling. You know, I think if it were the men's side, for example, who was struggling, which you're very clearly not. Um, you know, there would probably be a few people questioning whether she's the right person for the job, but that's not quite happening. I think people understand the situation she's in and that she maybe needs a little bit of time. Uh, last little thing then is to put you ever so slightly on the spot here and for a prediction for the game at the weekend. Uh, do you think that Liverpool can get something from it? Yeah, of course. I mean, derby games are always going to be close, aren't they? And, and I'm not just saying that. I think Everton know that they're going to be in for a game, you know, league positions almost become irrelevant uh, when it comes to a derby. Uh, unless it's the Liverpool men playing against the Everton men's side, it tends to be a little bit more straightforward. But um, look, there's absolutely every chance Liverpool can get a result. Uh, Everton are playing well this season, um, no doubt about that. But as I said, the Reds were, were probably the better team when the sides met at Anfield earlier in the season. So if Liverpool can can get that goal that they're struggling to, to find, then they've got the defence and, and the resilience to be able to hold Everton out. So... It'll be a close one, no doubt about that. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much to Kieran. As I said before, sign up to The Athletic. It's theathletic.co.uk forward slash the Anfield app for that. And now back in the studio with Andy, Siobhan, Kev and Jamie. And we're going to talk about something that's been bouncing around our office a little bit, I'm sure, bouncing around Liverpool, is the idea of um, less if but when. Um, someone said to me before, Siobhan, I'll be gutted if we win the league because City drop points. 
And I'm like, mate, you need to get a grip. No. First world problems. <sighs> I mean, well, however any- it happens, whenever it happens, I'll have my undies on my head. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> we'll just park that for now, eh, John? Um, yeah, I mean, it's proper first problems, isn't it? I mean, if you the idea of the concept of even potentially talking about not when, not not if, but when, seems a bit crazy. I remember us all kinds of thinking nowhere near to this extent, but, you know, towards maybe Christmas last season, kind of got our eye white then a little bit. So everyone's being overcautious now, but people who are still being cautious now are probably getting told to shut up and get on with it, aren't they? But being gutted because it's one because City have dropped points. All that does to me is extends how long people get to enjoy it. From because everyone's like, I, I think it's um, Dan Austin who says a couple of times, you know, like we get to win the league every single weekend. Yeah, like imagine having more weekends when you get to win the league. It just feels. Listen, it's not a problem either way. Obviously, you want to win it on your own terms, but. The, the more the, the more that City kind of drop points and it's just that oh my god oh my god it's even quicker it's even more secure uh, take it any which way to it's, be honest it's one of them like the one that always sounds with me on this because I don't I don't want to win it because they have drop points I want us to win a game to win the league so everyone's there We're, whether it, I want it to be good or something obviously uh, on the day you mean as in we we, do, we win it because so, so say even playing so do you know oh scratch Everton I've just said you agree <laughs> <laughs> We've won the league, though. That's some edit that is Andy's going to do. Oh, no, that's not staying in. That's staying in. No, oh, I thought you meant, like, it happened. No, you know how Leicester, Leicester won it, didn't they? Yeah, just, when Tottenham... Just, yeah, and Chelsea, Jamie Vardy yeah, yeah, was yeah. having a party and all yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's rubbish, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's so not. It's winning like, the league. It is winning the league, but don't forget, that was on, like, a Wednesday night, that. So yeah. they weren't even playing, and they had to wait till the weekend to play, which is, it's just not... That isn't what you want. You're in work the next day and all that. Yeah. I will. Yeah. Well, I won't be. Able to I don't think anyone will be in work. Work the next day. <laughs> it's what it's one. Of, you want Saturday? I don't mind it. I don't necessarily mind if they say, for instance, they played Saturday and we played Sunday, and it somehow happened that way. You can sort of get over it because you've got the Saturday night, and then obviously you don't go to bed and just go straight to match on a Sunday, which will be unbelievable. But for it to happen like on a Wednesday night or whatever, I don't, I'm not even sure if that can happen if they got any rearranged games or anything like that. I don't even know. But it's the, the way the Leicester fans won it, I just thought they, to be fair, they deserved the way they won it because they didn't celebrate it properly, in my opinion. That should have been, they should have just set Leicester on fire and got rid of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, but one thing, and I don't know whether it's possible with the fixes, one thing that's only just occurred to me today that I wouldn't mind. So, say if there was a scenario where City played the day before us and, the, and our, on our game day, it wasn't possible to win the title that day. But then City drop points the day before, and then you've got twelve hours or twenty four hours to get like mega, mega, mega. Ex- and, like it'll just dawn on you. Well, that can happen the derby weekend, kind of, because I think they've got Burnley yeah. derby, the derby weekend. But obviously that's on Monday night, which is a bit of a. It's one of that. That now that would be first world problems if you said you didn't want to win it because it's a Monday night. Because let's face it, who's going home after we've won the league? But the other problem with that is it's the day before your birthday, isn't it, John? Which is also the day before my missus' birthday. So imagine going to derby on Monday and coming in on a Friday like that. Oh, here's your card, love. <laughs> I know it's three days late, but it's one of them Gibbons on it. <laughs> <laughs> really is kind of first real problem with that. But I mean, it's what's what is an interesting one, uh, I would say, Andy, is that if we do do it how it's looking like we will do, which is at some point in March or early April, there's potentially quite a lot of the of a season still to play. You know, we're, we're hoping we're still in the Champions League. Uh, that Atletico home game is March the 11th, so. You know, it might be done just before that. We might be doing a Bournemouth or, you know, I guess a bit more likely that it's after that. But we're hoping to kind of get through that. And 
do you think it'll be a strange sensation for this football team because everything they've been building towards is this Premier League? If they do it in late March, do you think there's a there's a chance where all that adrenaline just disappears and their energy levels go? What do you think might happen? No, I think they're too professional for that. In the stands, I don't know. I mean, I still remember those mad five minutes last year when when we when um, City were getting beat <laughs> and we we were winning and everyone's kind of heads went and I don't know whether I could just I could manage I that. I could I I don't I I seriously don't know whether I could manage that over the stage of 90 minutes. I mean, thank God it only lasted the cut. I mean, I know we didn't win it in the end, but I couldn't have done that for much longer and then had the disappointment of losing the league. Um, look, if you talk about it in, in cold like today terms, I think the quicker we win the league, the better it is for our season because you'd have got the Champions League going on and you can refocus. And I, don't, I, I think they've proven, I mean, you've only got to look at the FA Cup game today. We talk about at the top of the show that these lads have got focus. They're, 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 as much as it might be in the back of their mind, they're taking everything one game at a time. And you know what? If we win the league and then we kind of tail off in the league, but that means progress in the Champions League, I'm not, I don't think I'd be particularly bothered. Because as, as has been said, we'd be running the league every week anyway, so just celebrate. But, I mean, might the celebrations sort of distract everyone, though, is guess, guess what I'm saying, Kev, is seasons are sort of planned around everything peaking around April and May. And I think if the league's won, look, I'm not going to be complaining, but I just wonder if, if, as I say, like, you know, the adrenaline... You know, is, is is carrying everyone through. It feels like we're just we're just like a machine at the moment. We're just going and we're just going and going. You know, everyone's pushed tightness out the mind. Sadio Mane reckons being tired is not even a thing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And then suddenly when we win it, it's like oh, geez, you know I'm what? Absolutely, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm absolutely goosed here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I, we've got a, we've got a half decent sized squad, and there'll be players who want who you can sort of come in. But it, even then, you. If we win, say we win the league at Everton, so there's probably about what half a dozen games left after that. But then you've got Champions League games as well. I just feel like Klopp and the players will be like, well, here's the point where we've won it. Let's have a big boss party. But then they're gonna go, well, we can go again now, and it's like another little mini league. I agree. Because you've got to keep the intensity up for the Champions League. But also, don't forget, an unbeaten season. I know there's there's a lot of talk of, of whether you'd want the treble or an unbeaten season. It's not an either or thing. I understand, but. The fact that we could go unbeaten and then if we do go unbeaten, we'd probably have a point total of around 108 points somewhere around eight. I've thought if we throw a couple of draws in after we've won the league, that's that's not just winning the league. That's going down in history as the greatest Premier League team ever. And that'd never be beaten, I don't think. So they've got loads of little goals that can keep them going. It's not like like when Leicester won the league, I don't think they won the game for, for the rest of the season, maybe. you know what I mean? And that's understandable because they were playing and pushing towards that goal and it was taking everything they've got. Whereas I think this Liverpool team, like they know the league's done now, but they're now thinking, if they're not, they're not talking in like the quietest moments about going unbeaten, they're not human. Like I know they tell us all the time, the next game, the next game, the next game. And that's how they get through that sound. But in the back of everyone, their minds will be, the invincible Arsenal team still gets spoken about when they got they had twelve draws or whatever it was, and to be able to be the first team to win it for Liverpool is enough. But then if you can add on an invincible season, and then if you can also add on another European Cup, the second in two years, that you're talking the stuff of legends that there'll be statues built of this for players this season, and I think that's what will keep them going. The, the other side of it is though, John, and I'm obviously be proven wrong on this, but I'm sure there was some uh, comments from Klopp. Not just last season, but the season before on the way to Kiev, when he was saying, you know, we haven't got time to train because the games are just so thick and fast. We haven't got time to train or prepare. He didn't say we're running on fumes, but he didn't have anywhere near enough facility to coach him what he wanted. Whereas he just think, and I know he think I'm a boring and all that, but if there is a realistic chance of another European Cup 
I think that, and the, the league's secure, I think the training totally changes because he's then got that time to relax and drill them and to focus game by game. And also the other side of it, the lads who are playing in the league games, they've got a position, they've got a place to play for in the European Cup final. Mm -hmm. So there's your focus, there's your adrenaline, there's your, that's what your attention's drawn to because you want to play in that final. But if it's, if it's still on the table. You've just been talking about the other half of that squad who maybe aren't, you know, the first 11 for this and are waiting for an <clears> opportunity. <throat> Talk about, you know, your, your big boys kind of getting some form of tails off rest in preparation for the Europe, for um, Champions League. <coughs> yeah, if he's fit, you know, your little Alana, Shakiris and all them, they're going to want, the Adrians, they're going to want to play their part in that potential unbeaten season. So, you know, the drop-off isn't massive when you go down to that level. I can't, I just can't see that relentlessness going away for those because they're still thinking, well, hang on a minute, I'm not done that much, you know, in the last 10 games. I've, I've still got six games to be proper part of this and I don't think they're going to want to give that up. What they've been really good at as well, Jamie, is new targets and new focus and so mm. you know you talk about last season you know they got to 97 points they won the Champions League it was an incredible year but tinged in a bit of disappointment but they just went well, we'll go again and yeah. that's what's been so impressive about this team and that's why my original question is probably wrong in that these players they, they just move on to the next thing and they just go the, the greedy the greedy yeah. footballers yeah I think they Throughout Jürgen Klopp, what we've seen is nothing but progression year after mm. year. And and I think, touching back on Kiev, I think Kiev was a massive, massive uh, experience for all them players because they never wanted to feel like that again. Do you know what I mean? And the year on, they're going to win the European Cup. Like in the league last year, it was probably a sickener to perform as well as they did last year and not win the league 97 points. This year, it, it, I think it's more of the same with that. Like, listen, we never want to, we don't want to be like that again. Let's get this league won. Um, I think, like Kev said, I agree with Kev's points on, like, you know, these players, to to go down on, as invincibles in today's game, it, it overshadows what Arsenal done to by tenfold, but I think, on personal notes for all of them, they will never be talked about as good as that team unless they go as invincibles, because yeah. everybody else in the footballing world would love us not to, you know, not to do it sort of thing, so... Yeah, I just think the, the the focus in the players is phenomenal. I just don't think I don't think they like losing anymore. Do you know what I mean? I just think it's like, as well as the will to win, it's almost the will to not get beat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And as we've proven, no matter who we throw in that team, different games, we it doesn't matter, does it? Like you know, Sadio Mane's been injured for the past couple of weeks. Two 0 away, went four 0 on winning the league. You know what I mean? Well, I think that's the injuries have been overlooked as well. Everyone yeah. talks about Man City and the injuries there. But oh, we had our first. No but, we, <laughs> no, but we had we had Allison missing for what the best part of the six weeks. More than that, it was ten games, didn't it? And then you've had you've had Mane out, and we've had a couple more out. We've had Matip's been out injured, Lovren's been out injured, Gomez has been out injured. We've had a couple in Jamie midfield as well. Fabinho's been on for ages, hasn't he? He was the best midfielder yeah. in the league at the time when he Fabinho, went. Fabinho, yeah, Fabinho right, again. Snacked at the moment. Soldier and non-no mates, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, I've been out the game for a good few weeks now. <laughs> yeah, listen, I think people can deal us whatever and they want, but at the end of the day, we're throwing 19-year-olds in the team in big games in Anfield and still coming out on top. Do you know what I mean? I just think to, to say that like after the league's done, that we'll fall off in the league. I think that's a little bit naive because look at the, the like Klopp's squad. It's crazy for me to quote Klopp. But he called them mentality monsters, didn't he? I don't think ment mentally 
meant like Mane saying it's not a thing. I think genuinely that's how they that's how they feel about themselves. I think they genuinely feel that they are invincible. And do you know what? I, I, I wouldn't. I said it a couple of couple of months ago. Now. I wouldn't be surprised if we went unbeaten till the end of the season. Further still, I wouldn't be surprised if we won every game till the end of the season. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because it's a short career. They've got like it's not a big big opportunity to make a mark. They're all just thinking it's all right because I guess I'll be on the beach in five years for the rest of my life, so it's fine. I'll just go now. It's fine. Yeah, unlike the rest of us. Yeah, you look like mine, Aldum. Like Wayne Aldum's been a solid player for us too, but he's never really stolen any headlines or anything no. like that. He's been pivotal this season and forever. I don't mean on the European Cup, but being in this Invincibles team for him, he's a Liverpool legend. Do you know what I mean for for life? Do you know what I mean because he's done. It's und- undoubtedly the best team Liverpool have ever seen. If if we set the records that we need to set, do you know what I mean? So for players like him, Wayne Aldum, even like. You know, we're talking about Joel Matip and stuff like that. They've had massive parts to play this season. And, and and for players like that, who, you know, you talk, everyone talks about Van Dijk, you know, when we won the European Cup. Van Dijk, the front three, Jordan Henderson's getting a lot of credit. Well, rightly so. But for the other players to go unbeaten all season and win the league in the best style ever, they were one of that, that squad, you know what I mean? That's like their sort of legacy at Liverpool Football Club. They might not have scored winning goals in big games or nothing, but they were there in that season. And that's like that's something that they'll be able to 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 live off basically, you know, the likes of Tivakarigi and people like that. They can live off this couple of years. Look at some of the other players who've lived off it, you know what I mean? Maxi Rodriguez still gets his name strong and he was a decent enough player, but he didn't exactly win anything. Michael Owen on the uh, Jamie Carragher podcast, as I make that point, he said there's some Liverpool players who are remembered by the fans so fondly. Lucas. And they've done nothing. They've done nothing for the club. These players have already won a European Cup and they could go on invincible win our first league in 30 years and maybe another European Cup and possibly now the FA Cup as well. The end of this season, I don't think think we'll understand how big this season is and was until we look back on it and go, wow. But I mean, just to finish off, Andy, what's lovely about it as well is it it does feel like it's just the start and, you know, you have to always go on. But I was talking to a friend this morning who reminded me that we're getting a new training ground in the summer and we're getting this, you know, £60 million complex in Kirby that they're all going to move to. I don't know why I forgot because Lizzie Doyle claims her dad's building it on his own every day, doesn't she? But, uh, but you know, it's 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 this new thing that we're, we're getting and that's going to give everyone a big boost and the fact that, you know, everyone's, these players are all on a good age and, you know, all on big contracts. Someone put an 11 up before and, and how long contracts they're all on and they're all sort of tied down. And yet, look, you've got to go out there and do it. No one hands you trophies, but it does feel like, you know, this season could potentially just be the start of like a golden period for Liverpool. Yeah, and I love how thorough Klopp is making sure that he builds the new training complex in the windiest part of Liverpool, considering how much he moans about it at Anfield it's so much. Sorted, isn't it? Every time he goes to Anfield now, it's there you go. Like, no. Wins, what Benidorm. wins? Yeah. <laughs> no, um, for the players, it's the young players as well, seeing them every day. Yeah. It's only got oh, yeah. on even more. But you look at the, you look at the great sides over the last 15, 20 years, and there wasn't much movement in and out. The, the side then looks like Liverpool have got that. Now you look at the Real Madrid side, the majority of them stayed together all parts of the team for five six seven eight years you look at the Barcelona team that not so much the one now but you look at the one from Messi from Messi when Messi, when Messi came in it's it was kind of like the same spine Bayern Munich was Ribbit it was always Ribbity Robin um, I mean that's fallen to bits now but this looks like a side that as, as John just spot on we could over the next five six seven years you know, build something incredible. Uh, we're getting players going into the best ages now as well. All they've got to do is not take their eye off the ball and make sh- make sure they supplement that. But that, but that comes with buying 
being short and buying bigger, maybe one or two additions a year, not the, what we've been used to over the last 15, 20 years, buying five and six and seeing what fits. We know what fits because we've already got it. It's just complementing that now. Okay, um, thanks everyone for joining me in the studio. Uh, just before we go, obviously the men's team don't play this weekend, but you can watch Liverpool in action, the women's side, travel to Goodison Park on Sunday uh, for a Merseyside derby. Uh, Liverpool got absolutely robbed in the Anfield leg. Uh, Everton won 1-0. I think they only had one shot. It was a smashing grab, so Liverpool will be up to a revenge on that. Uh, there is a section just for Liverpool fans if you want to sort that out, but do manage make sure sorry, you get your tickets uh, beforehand. But that game kicks off on Sunday at 2 o'clock. I think it's on LFC TV if you can't make it. Also, um, the under-23s play this weekend as well if you, if you want to watch that doing action against uh, Sunderland in the Premier League club. So there are options uh, to watch some of the other Liverpool sides. Uh, but in the meantime, huge thanks to everyone for joining me in the studio and to Josh and Neil for doing some of the inserts as well. That's been the weekend. Uh, enjoy. Sports Social Podcast Network.